This is Gross Anatomy, where pop culture meets health culture. Let's get to it. Hello, Jason. Hi, Allie. How's it going? Good. This is very happy, sad for me today. Okay. Happy that I now have my new co-host, Ali Sorella, here with me. Yes. And sad? Sad that Lauren Taylor, who's been with me from the birth of this, is taking more of a stepping back kind of advisory role, which she's been begging and trying to do forever, it seems like. So yeah. finally, thanks to you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Lauren, for setting me up for success. I'm so appreciative. Welcome to Gross Anatomy, everybody. Or Gross Anatomy for now, everybody. Exactly. We're actually, we should open this up to the public if they have any opinions. If there's any opinions on the name of the podcast, it's something that's up for debate right now as I'm coming and swinging with ideas. Jason and I are playing with the name. So if you have ideas, email well, you're us, DM with the name us. And I'm listening. I want your input too. I mean, you're the expert on all things medicine. So my ideas were really sort of around specific keywords that might tie back to that or words that I'm sure I don't know, medical terms that could be cheeky and tie back into culture and all of the sights and sounds that we touch on. So give us your input, people. Yes. So what are we doing today, new co-host Allie? Okay, so I listened to your previous episode with Lauren on Ozempic and basically just left with a thousand more questions. So I'm hoping today will be a follow-up where I can grill you a little and ask you more about it. How does that sound? Sounds good. It's an interesting and very relevant topic today. Yes, it's topical. Everyone wants to know about it. People are just hearing about it. So I want to I wanna pick your brain. Pick away. Okay, let's start with a lot of people have an understanding of what Ozempic is, but what does it do in the body? So, you know, Ozempic's actually been around for a long time in different formulations. It's been around, I think, since 2019 at least, but maybe even 2017, but definitely at least 2019 in different forms. It's a diabetic medicine is, is really why it came out to help control blood sugars. That That's really the goal of it. And one of the amazing things that they found in these diabetic patients were they were losing weight and they were losing a decent amount of weight. And as long as they were staying on the Ozempic, they were maintaining that weight loss. And the plan actually, just like other diabetic medicines, the plan is to stay on it possibly. Mm -hmm. So what if you stop taking Ozempic? What happens? Anything bad? Anything good? Nothing at all? You know, one of the things that they say about Ozempic is that what people taking Ozempic need to do, it's not just take the Ozempic, it's, it's take the Ozempic and eat right and exercise and do all that good stuff. So theoretically, if you stop the Ozempic and you're still being good by exercising and eating right, theoretically, you should be okay. The reality, though, is more than likely one of the benefits of Ozempic, it does a few different things. It helps lower blood sugar and it releases more insulin to kind of speedily break down sugars and things like that. So that's one of the advantages is breaking down that sugary meal or, or your carbs or whatever it is. But then the other benefit they found from Ozempic is it actually decreases appetite. It actually slows down the gastrointestinal tract from moving and you kind of feel full and people feel less hungry. So theoretically, if you stop taking Ozempic, that's going to go away maybe. And you may start binging again. Possibly. Your hunger comes back. Your hunger comes back. Yeah. So like anything else, it requires a lifestyle change either way, whether you're on it or off it, you got to be yeah. diet, exercise, all the things. 
Yeah. And one of the things I'm excited about seeing is there's weight loss surgery, which is kind of very mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Um, bariatric surgery, which is just taken off and advertised pretty permanent change to a person's body. Even people after weight loss surgery, after many years, could figure out ways to cheat and their body kind of changes again. And people after weight loss surgery can put the weight back on too, if you're not careful and not doing the whole lifestyle change. So it'll be interesting to see a head-to-head between Ozempic and the medicines like Ozempic, head-to-head with weight loss surgery. There are some studies saying that weight loss surgery, older studies, is better but I don't know if I believe that. And I'm kind of excited to see what's going to be. You know, you may ask, it hasn't been around for that long. So Mm -hmm. the question is, are there going to be any long-term harmful side effects that we're going to find out 20, 30, 40 years from now? Um, Mm -hmm. And I hope not, because as I mentioned on the podcast, I'm on and off of Ozempic myself. Got it. Yeah, that's always the fear. Is there something we don't know about? But it sounds like just really a non-invasive way to, like you're saying, go head to head with here's sort of a hack on lowering my hunger and lowering my snacking and getting control of that right away. My other question was, what have you noticed change when you took Ozempic? Was there anything that you loved, hated? How did it make you feel? I love that I lost weight. Yeah. I've kind of been on this lifestyle journey and change over the last, are you the same year as Liat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what year did you start college? 2018. So in 2017, 2018 is when I began my, because Liat was a freshman. Liat's mm-hmm. my daughter, who you guys are buds. So that's kind of when I started my health journey. I kind of realized I'm getting older. Something's going to be killing me soon or coming at me soon. And if I'm not kind of prepared and ready and in the best possible shape I can be, it's going to take me faster and sooner. It's a weird revelation that I had. That, I mean, that that was a weird way to think about things. But that was kind of one of the reasons why I started this health kick journey. The other one was my wife, who, you know, the master injector mm-hmm. is a total fitness wellness person. So yep. she's in, very inspirational. And then lastly... I notice the people around me a lot of times who I think are successful are people who are very aware and very concerned and active and fit and do all the things you're supposed to do. And I said to myself, I need to be like them. So it was kind of all those three things that kind of set me off on the wellness journey. But it wasn't until the last year that I was introduced to Ozempic. You know, I started changing the way I eat. I strive to be as plant-based as possible. I, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% plant-based by any means, but I definitely strive to do that because I think it's a healthier way of eating. And I started exercising more and more. And Ozempic, I found, and I definitely had lost some weight and started feeling better and got into better shape. But when I started on the Ozempic, things just really went faster and easier, both in terms of dropping weight, feeling good, eating less. I I mean, it's really remarkable because I'm a binge eater and I'm a stress eater. Mm -hmm. And on the right Ozempic dose, which isn't even that high a dose, that goes away, which is so bizarre. That makes sense. Yeah, that's like a magic tool. It's powerful. It's upsetting a little bit because (laughs) I feel like it's a crutch and I have kind of tapered myself off of Ozempic at different points. Mm -hmm. And recently, a couple of months ago, I kind of tapered myself off of it just to like the bare minimum dose and then stopped it for a couple of weeks. And I was Mm -hmm. like, holy crap, I'm eating a lot more now. You could tell immediately. 
And it, that was upsetting. I'm still working out these last few weeks. I'm, I'm back to working out hard again. I don't know the answer. You're a busy I, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a little. It's hard. But I, I am hoping to be able to come off it mm-hmm. again. I want to get down to my, it sounds pathetic, but I'm hoping to get down to my high school weight, which I'm pretty near to. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of now been my goal is to get down to high school weight. It seems to me the way you're describing what inspired you even for your initial health journey was more about how you're feeling than like an aesthetic that you're going for. You maybe felt more sprightly at your high school weight. What else did you feel? Is it like lowering inflammation, just feeling more energized, feeling good in what you're doing, wearing? For me, it's definitely not about wearing at all. Mm Because if you notice, if you know me, I'm always in baggy clothing. (laughs) It's true. Tactile thing. I don't like tight clothing. So confirmed. So, so for me, believe it or not, it was about skiing a little bit. Mm. When I'm heavier, I'm not the greatest skier. I'm kind of a a very solid intermediate skier. And I didn't learn to ski until I was already in my 30s. It was when I finally learned how to ski. In fact, the surgeon who hired me, who was kind of my mentor, believe it or not, he and Bernice were the ones who taught me how to ski. And I was in a pair of jeans skiing in California. But I just felt like I wanted to feel better skiing and my feet always hurt when I ski. And I was thinking if I weigh less, I'm going to probably ski better and feel better. And so a lot of it was skiing. That was kind of the impetus was to want to be able to ski. And I've definitely noticed this year when I skied, even though my feet hurt, I just felt better skiing. I definitely felt better skiing. And I'm again, I'm just an intermediate at the best. So it was more enjoyable and I felt better. That makes sense. I relate. I moved to Colorado um, only for a year, but I immediately was humbled with all the skiers and snowboarders who are lifelong athletes at those sports and immediately feeling like I want to be good at this. I want to figure this out. That's amazing that you're still doing it. Bernice sounds like she's great. I was good while I was there. And then I came to LA right after. And now I'm like, I bought a snowboard. I took the lessons and then I came here and I'm not really snowboarding so much now, but maybe another board sport would help. Like I had a longboard here for a little, something like that. I'm sure surfing is the answer. Um, a kickboard? Oh, That's you mean... I'm joke. You know the thing you hold when you swim? Yeah. You <laughs> That's the board sport of choice if I'm going to do it. There's no feet required for that. But that's amazing that you're already seeing results. So mammoth, here you come. Interestingly, it was pretty fast. The way you start on the medicine is you start on a low dose. It's more to see how you tolerate the potential side effects. And then after a few weeks, you're supposed to build up. And the company's kind of very cautious about it. I recently had a friend who I prescribed it for. And that friend is saying that even on the low dose, they're already feeling a lack of appetite, less of a desire to snack. And it's hard to say, you know, is that placebo or is it a real thing? I do remember after my first injection feeling something, not necessarily the weight loss thing, but then once I got up to a certain dose, it just became easy. Mm -hmm. So the pros and cons of it then are like, these pros are that you're immediately noticing these changes. And the only cons I've heard of are low grade nausea. Is there any side effects you noticed? No, there are definitely cons. I mean, definitely some low-grade nausea. And it's almost like a constant to some degree. Like you almost have to eat a little something to feel okay. There's often like a weird pit in your stomach kind of feeling sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not always there. The other thing I find a lot is I'm more thirsty. So you really have to make sure you're hydrating, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I'm actually pre-diabetic. I actually feel like I wasn't just doing it for the weight loss, although that was the impetus. But I actually kind of felt like 
I needed to drop the weight because I was kind of pre-diabetic. And I had actually started another medicine called metformin, uh, which is another diabetic medicine. And I started that medicine, you know, we're getting, we're going into a, a whole other thing. Believe it or not, metformin is used also for type 2 diabetes to lower someone's sugar to make their insulin work better. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of studies showing that metformin is an anti-aging drug and a oh. drug, yeah, and potentially helps with longevity and reduces cancer risk. So believe it or not, I started metformin kind of for that holistic reason. An endocrinology friend of mine was on it and he's like, Jason, I think you should start some metformin, you know, the low dose for anti-aging, for wellness and anti-aging. So I'm on metformin, now I'm on this Ozempic. So I think getting back to side effects, I think sometimes I feel like my sugars are low and I kind of feel hypoglycemic sometimes. So that's another possible side effect. Kind of just feel like a little weirdish, like crawling out of my skin sensation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just because I'm maybe a little hypoglycemic. I'm having to kind of figure out the right dose, how much Ozempic to take and how much metformin to take. And hopefully I don't kill myself in the process. Yeah. If you die, you'll die looking great. Right. I'll die looking (laughs) like my high school weight. Exactly. It's all worth it in the end. That almost sounds like, and I don't know if you did this in college or like had friends who had um, ADHD, but when I was prescribed Adderall or similar like Vyvanse, whatever, it kind of sounds like the feeling of what I would take Adderall or Vyvanse. Yeah. And it would, it was like this side effect or it would help relieve it. I mean, kind of all of the above. The side effects of lack of hunger, a little bit of a pit in the stomach, almost a tiny bit of anxiety. Yeah. And then just being like thirsty and then eating and realizing I'm hungry. Because I think a lot of my friends who were taking Adderall, at least with younger women, I was noticing maybe sometimes they were taking a little bit because it was curbing their appetite. Right. You know, definitely see that people on Adderall drop weight. Yeah. So I wonder if there's any parallel there and at least the feelings. I don't know if you've taken that as well, but I haven't. I think I am a little also ADHD-ish at times and not always able to, I mean, I definitely could focus, but I, I think in terms of work habits, I think I'd be much more efficient sometimes if I didn't have, and I almost wonder, should I try it to see if I could be more effective and efficient and get certain things done? Like I have one of my colleagues, Dr. Leo Gordon, who was a guest on our show. If he has a half hour of time in between surgery or whatever, he could sit down and work on stuff. He could do some writing. He could do this. I can't. Like if I have time in the middle of stuff that I like in between surgeries, I'm worthless. Like even now, before we started, I'm thinking maybe I could try to get a little work done, but I don't have that skill. And I wonder if I took something like Adderall, would I be able to pick up that skill? I mean, I wouldn't sprinkle it in the cocktail you have going now. Your appetite will be completely gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I used to take it. And then I think that there were some things I was either reading or picking up on about some sort of backlash people were getting about it actually... And I would have to research this because I don't know the proper terms, but it kind of like draining you in the long run. Like you were maybe getting more energy on those days you took it, but then in longer term, it wasn't great for like your adrenals or something, which I don't know anything about. But all I knew was that like, I didn't feel good when I was taking it frequently. It was more of like a sporadic, okay, well, I'll take it on a day. I have a final, I have to write a 20 page paper if that's hard for me. Um, And did you find you were really able to get it done when you were taking it? 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I got to try it. I, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it works. <laughs> it just felt like the farther I get away from it, I'm like, oh, I, I don't have a lot of coffee now. So on some days, coffee can do that for me. I, I'm like matcha. So I think when I pull yeah. back on caffeine, I'm able to actually have a cup of coffee and my brain can say like, okay, I'll use this energy that way. Even though I do have ADHD, I'd have to have something really big or really hard, which my job isn't that complicated right now for me to need. Except for the Gross Anatomy podcast. Yes, but it doesn't require the um, longevity focus. Like writing a 20 page paper was like hours that I didn't, you know, like my attention span is in short spurts. So it was more just that long, like, how do I sit for six hours and do something? Um, Luckily, I'm in a, a job and this one where I'm able to take breaks and sort of get up and move around and chat and come back. But maybe for what you do, it would make sense. Not so much for the surgery, more for like trying to write, to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like on the weekend or whatever. I'm not going to do it, but it's something I've always contemplated. Yeah, I think it's really like a mind hacking thing for me. Like the longer I haven't taken Adderall, the more I'm like, oh, I can get myself there with like meditating coffee music. Then I sit down, like do the thing first, go on a run and then do it. But it's definitely harder. I mean, there's always going to be an easier way to do something. Take a drug, do a thing. I wish I could have dropped that extra weight. And I probably would have because I've been slowly losing weight with my changes that I've done, but it hadn't gone as fast as when I took Ozempic. But part of me is like, I'm cheating. But what inspired me to take Ozempic was a couple of doctor friends of mine all of a sudden looked amazing. You know, they were overweight guys and all of a sudden they're like, and I'm like, what'd you guys do? And they're like, we took Ozempic. And and one of them is a cardiologist and he's like, just try it. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know, he did it. He did it. The cardiologist did it. All right, I'll try it. So it's the instant gratification thing. A little pathetic though. No, but I'm there's. A little, I'm a little ashamed that I think a lot of people in the beginning, all these people were looking svelte and amazing. So a lot of people haven't talked about it until recently. You know, some celebs are finally talking about it. And I figure, you know, patients are asking me. So I don't want to lie to them, but I tell them it's multi thing. You know, it's not just, but there are some patients that are coming that are obese. And I'm like, you need Ozempic. You know, we need to get you jump started. And you need it. Yeah. I mean, I think the honesty there is always better. Even if you feel a little conflicted, I think that it's always better to just lead with, this is what I'm doing. I don't know that it's always the right first answer, but this is why I'm doing it. That does lead me to another question I have for you. Less about the physical side effects and more just about the cultural pros and cons. So we know maybe how it makes us feel, but I'm interested from a female perspective, I would see my friends using it a lot more for the reasons you said you weren't interested in. I want to wear the crop top. Low-rise jeans are back in this season. That's upsetting for people. Like, are they? Do I, do I need to get my low-rise jeans? I think they're slowly working their way back around to men. But right now I've seen like these I... women in low-rise baggy jeans. You know, that brings back some anxieties for women who aren't naturally models or long and lean and thin or if they care. Some people don't care. They say, I'll wear the low-rise anyway. If I have a little pouch, I have a little pouch. But... Yeah. It does make me wonder, like, will there be this ripple effect maybe? We see, like, maybe people we look up to, like people like influencers, celebrities who can afford to take Ozempic and are quiet about it. And we don't know. And all of a sudden they're in these clothes and they're wearing these things and they look so good. And from my perspective, I'm like, oh, why don't I look like that? Do I need to look like that? Might that affect me to, you know, try to be something I'm not physically or like younger women even like teenagers to see it and not really understand yeah anything like how a medicine could help that and just think 
oh, I'm too big. I'm bigger than these people I look up to who aren't really even naturally that size. Those are interesting thoughts. For me, it's just about feeling physically better, not necessarily mentally better. And I notice that when I'm thinner, I feel better just on so many levels. And I'm someone who's battled my whole life with being overweight and I'm a binge eater and I'm all that stuff. So it's a constant when I'm stressed, I eat when I'm, you know, I told the story when I was a kid, I had to go shopping in the Husky back then they called it Husky department to buy clothing. And it was, it was pretty scarring. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And then in high school, you know, I started playing hockey and got very aware and involved and physically interested in getting into shape. And I felt amazing in high school. And, I, you know, we just played a lot of sports and everything. And, you know, it's just wanting to feel that way again. It's a, it's a little bit of a fountain of youth kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Is it any different from getting Botox and getting filler? And I don't know. The only thing is that stuff's been around for a while. And I think, you know, the feeling is there really aren't any major, horrible, terrible, lasting side effects unless, God forbid, something goes wrong or you get too much and you look nutty, you know. But right. but this thing hasn't been around for as long. So that that's my concern a little bit and fear. Like I remember when I was in med school, residency, I did my surgery residency. And one of the things I used to love to do was make sure that when I was the chief resident or the senior resident, we had a whole team of junior residents under us. And I always wanted to make sure there was lunch available for all of the residents. And the drug companies would come and bring us lunch, especially if we were using their drugs. So there was one antibiotic that came out forgot if it was Merck or Pfizer was the company that this antibiotic Trovan, which was billed as the next greatest, latest thing. And we prescribed it like it was water to every patient. And it was great. And we had lunch every day, you know, and stuff like that. And it really seemed like a great antibiotic. And then sure enough, you know, within a year or so, they came out with some terrible side effects. Trovan is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So I'm wondering, is that kind of thing going to happen with this medicine? But I don't know. It's definitely one of my fears. Who's to say? Well, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. That I think that we're so quick to assume that one, any sort of disordered eating is not eating. Binge eating is something people struggle with too. And that men can struggle with it. So if it makes you feel healthier and happier, there's no authority on whether it's right or it's wrong. It's just sort of like interesting to hear the different perspectives on it. I wish and hope at some point I'll be, hopefully once I'm down to the weight that I want to be at, I'll taper back down and see how I feel and hopefully maintain the exercise and more self-restraint. But boy, that's hard. I mean, it was also wild that I don't think now we can get away with having a husky section, not in California, not in 2023. So it's really othering to have this, you have to walk over here and not feel excited about it and make it not this, just all sizes should be available everywhere. It shouldn't be this thing where you have your special section and it feels isolating. So I think it's interesting to always evaluate like how those things influence like that generation and this generation doesn't have to do that we have our own things of course but like yeah that adds a layer the other crazy thing about buying pants for me was even now still because i'm still I'm, I'm almost there is for my waist the pants would be super long because they wouldn't be for people my height they would mm. be for tall people that waist if i bought a pair of pants they had to i had to go to the tailor or wherever and get it shortened like it was this process like i can never buy a pair of pants off the rack and walk out wearing it. Now I know Nordstrom or other places will let you hem them there or certain places have different sizes where it's like 
Here's a version that has a different length. It shouldn't be that difficult to find the range of sizes that exist in humans and clothes. Or I think we should no longer make new clothes. We should just, there's so much clothes in the world. We should there just recycle it. I know that I've been actually doing um, Rent the Runway recently because I was buying too many clothes and I'm like, they're out quickly anyway. I'm not interested in them again. I rent it. And if it's something that I'm interested in, I'll buy it and I'm buying it vintage then. Oh, that's so cool. that way I'm doing less waste. Of course, yeah. there's, I'm, I'm sure I'll still buy some things, but we're trying to be less wasteful over here. We're doing our part. Well, this has been such a good follow-up on that first episode that I listened to last week on Ozempic. And I know people might have other questions. So for now, I think we lock Ozempic down. But if anybody has questions that we can answer just in a short spurt, our next episodes, I think we're both happy to explore and answer those. Does that make sense? For sure. And I'll just touch upon, and we could save it for another time or for an Instagram post, the Ozempic face. People are talking mm-hmm. about Ozempic face. The cosmetic people are talking about that. Oh. And we could just leave you hanging with it unless you want us to talk about it right Wait, now. Wait, now I'm so curious. What is it? So the cosmetic people want to find more reasons to inject. So one of the things about Ozempic is you lose weight pretty fast. You're losing the fat. You lose the fat in your face uh. and you look more droopy. So someone coined the term Ozempic face and the cosmetic people are loving it because now there's more work to do for Ozempic face. And I actually have it a little bit. I noticed it under my chin. I have a little funny hang now. It's one of the reasons why I'm letting my beard grow a little bit. But, oh, the uh, beard's your cover up. I was going to say, can't the master injector help you with any, to share any hot tips or tricks for like... I can't handle pain. I, I don't want to get shot needles stuck in my face. I'm sure there's some, I mean, there's a thousand different plumping serums and all the things. Who knows? what works but i'm sure there's ways and maybe it depends too on like your skin like will it bounce back quickly if you give it a little bit of time for sure and it and it also has to do with how quickly you lose the weight and are you also exercising and building up muscle at the same time or are you Mm -hmm. just purely losing the weight so mine isn't that dramatic but it's enough that if i stare in the mirror i'll see a little a little something that's interesting. That's a new term that I'm sure we'll be hearing more. So, yeah. and then on on some lighter notes, one, I just realized I breezed through how was your day? And two, I'd love to hear what you're watching. My day, you know, I run this pre-med program at the hospital. And today we had a student with us while we were seeing a patient and the student, and I'm talking to a patient, examining the patient with a hernia. And I turn and I see that out of the corner of my eye, the student's like ruffling and doing something. And I'm upset with myself for not realizing what was happening to the student. The student then passed out, fell face forward, face planted. And had I been a little faster, I might have been able to catch the student, but the student fell on their face. It's okay. It's fine. We sent the student to the emergency room, got checked out. Everything's okay. The student's sad and embarrassed and and all that. And I told the student, listen, this happens to everybody. Interestingly, it kind of almost happened to Mariano too, who does our Mm. social media. Mm -hmm. Also, when he and I were seeing a hernia patient, for some reason, it's interesting. People hearing about hernias now, it kind of skeeves them out or grosses them out. But interesting, but you're used to it. Yeah. I always used to love when students would pass out, but now (gasps) the student got hurt. So I feel bad. It's not a funny story for later. It's more worried dad mode at that point, I'm sure. Yeah. No, I feel terrible (laughs) and I feel horrible. At least he was in the right place to get help. I think so. Exactly. Yeah. He had a good team around him, I'm sure. And then in terms of what I'm watching, I just talking about gross anatomy and gross anatomy podcast. And Mm -hmm. should we stick with the name? I had another thought. There was a movie that came out in the late 80s. I think the very late 80s called Gross Anatomy. 
Mm-hmm. And the movie starred Matt Modine, who you're too young to know, except if you watch Stranger Things. Did oh, you watch yeah. Stranger Things? I did. He was the character, the guy who played Papa, you know, the evil mad scientist oh, yes. guy, the main yep. guy. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, in the 80s, he was a teenage heartthrob. He was like a go-to guy. So it was about these, I think, first-year medical students wanting to become doctors. Daphne Zanega is the female lead. And it's just an interesting movie. And I, so I was recently thinking about it, where we got the name Gross Anatomy. And a little bit, you know, that movie, Gross Anatomy, Matt Modine, mm-hmm. coming full circle a little bit. I almost think maybe I should go back and watch it. And maybe we could even discuss it on an episode. Yeah. I mean, that should be an episode at this point. It aligns. That sounds yeah. interesting. Because we've never, we've never discussed that movie. And, and I watched the trailer just recently because I was thinking about it. It looks like a decent movie. I did see it a zillion years ago, but it looks like a decent movie. Movie, gross anatomy well thank you for sharing your day hope one the students okay and, and what are two, you watching? I can't okay so i'm really excited to start tonight there's a new show called tiny beautiful things on hulu it's based on a book called tiny beautiful things that was my favorite book i've ever read i will give it as gifts for people and i recommend it to everyone to i will it'll be our podcast gift for okay. starting our and doing our first episode it's by cheryl Strayed, who wrote wild she's the one that hiked the pacific crest trail and it was basically an advice column that she wrote that she yes that one she turned some of the letters that she wrote into chapters in the book so it's basically one book of advice columns And it's the most profound and helpful and like, it just puts everything in perspective. The book at least was really like, oh, you think you had a bad day? Now go read someone who wrote in about X, Y, and Z. And then the really just like profound grounding advice. So I can only imagine that the the show will be heartwarming, but also if it's done right, like really interesting and dynamic because maybe each episode is one of those letters or it's her experience writing it. So I'm excited. I'm already a big fan of hers. I'm excited to see the show and see if Hulu made it work because Sometimes that book transition isn't good, but what's I'm it called again? Tiny beautiful things. And is it a Reese Witherspoon thing again? Is she? I don't it? think Reese Witherspoon did produce it. I forget the name of her production company, Sunshine something. That's not what I've heard. So I'll have to watch it and then come back with that information for everyone. If it's worth Sarah Pigeon, who I've not heard of, Catherine Hahn, who we both know and is funny. And then there's two others that I haven't heard of. So I'm going to have to just give the rundown. I'll let you guys know. Is it just coming out tonight? or I think it came out like this week, maybe yesterday. That was the first time I'd heard Cheryl on two podcasts talking about the launch of the show and how excited she was. I listened to Glennon Doyle's podcast and then Goop. She was on both of those yesterday um, talking about it. So I was teed up and ready to, I was just being fed that information. I assume it's just fresh. So I'll let you guys know. Anything else for me? No, but I want to read the book. Or should I watch the show first? What do you think? I don't know. The book was really phenomenal. And I'm guessing that they, I doubt they'll include every story. So I think it's kind of one of those things where both is the answer, because they'll probably leave out some of those maybe more touchy chapters, or I don't know if they think something isn't TV worthy. So it might be worth it to watch it and then read it to catch all the in-betweens. So I guess I'll wait for you to get me the book. Exactly. I'll bring the book. So I just want to say one last thing how happy I am that you're my new co-host. And I want to share with you when I realized you would be a great co-host. What made me realize was when we shared conversation about what's in it now I'm blanking on his name. 
the, who's Anthony the Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Oh. When, we were, when we were cooking together and talking about Anthony Bourdain, right from there, I kind of knew that that you'd be the right person. Oh, that makes me so happy. That made my day. For context for anyone else, we were cooking a Shabbat dinner. Dr. Cohen hosts beautiful Shabbat dinners every Friday. And I also love to cook. So we were bonding over our love for unplugging from our phones, cooking, being in the kitchen. So nice. I am still reading that book at a snail's pace. I read two others in between, but I'm chugging along. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. As am I. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. As a reminder, Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.